Hello, I'm Connor Dillman, and this is People Painting, a podcast where emerging artists can hear from their peers. Here I have conversations with painters I admire from my generation about their lives and work. My guest for the show's inaugural episode is Joel Siao, a painter from Singapore who is currently pursuing his undergraduate degree in painting at the Rhode Island School of Design. Joel's a really incredible artist who has been interested in autobiography, personal symbolism, the tension between intimacy and urban isolation, and how one's memory and state of mind interact with familiar spaces. That said, as you'll notice from our conversation, his work is constantly evolving, and I really enjoyed speaking with him about how he approaches his practice. I'm also happy to report that he was just recently awarded an Elizabeth Greenshields Foundation grant, which is really amazing news, especially for someone at such an early stage of their career. Before we get to the conversation, I should mention that if you'd like to support this podcast, you can donate at peoplepaintingpodcast.com, where I will also have show notes for this episode so you can check out Joel's work along with the artists he and I mentioned in our conversation. It's just me producing every part of this podcast, so anything you give will directly help me improve the quality and efficiency with which I can make these episodes. It'll allow me to get things like better soundproofing gear or afford better post-production, all that kind of good stuff. I personally really believe in the value of broadcasting these artists' voices, so if you're able to help, it would really mean a lot to me. Okay, that's pretty much it. I really hope you enjoy the first episode of People Painting. Were you always kind of interested in art? Like, were you drawing as a little kid, or or when did you start kind of um, approaching it? I'm not sure when exactly I started like realizing I wanted to be an artist, but I've always been drawing, you know, as a kid. I feel like everyone draws who who doesn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like cars, uh, dinosaurs, you know, that thing. And yeah, I think it was like cars and dinosaurs, especially because with, with dinosaurs, it's always like, illustrated you know you can't have a photo of a dinosaur yeah so it really like trained my eyes like which book has the the better looking ones (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah it's funny you say that because if if either of my parents end up listening to this they will attest to the fact that i had a pretty obsessive phase with dinosaurs when i was younger i would Uh wear dinosaur pajamas and dinosaur t-shirts and um i think it was for that same reason like they they can't yeah, like you're saying, the way that they look couldn't be produced other than from the imagination. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an imagination. It's this, lim- this limitless thing. So were you um, taking art classes when you got a little bit older? Like, were you always kind of, like, what was high school like for you? Mm, so I, I went to, like, a normal public high school in Singapore. Um, so I had to do, like, math, science, um, English, whole thing um but i also took a art class yeah yeah so in singapore we do like a levels mm. have you heard of that yeah 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 so i took art a levels mm-hmm. and that kind of um that sort of unlock a little bit more of a a serious attitude towards it or was that not until mm-hmm. a little bit later yeah it, it was just about then i think i had a really good art teacher yeah he was I think he he graduated from like Goldsmiths College in London. Yeah, he was really into like um, contemporary art, like installation, like expanding my definition of what 
art was, which was just mm -hmm. like kind of illustration painting sort of thing. What do you um, remember about kind of what he taught you? Do you have certain memories of like of being in that class or or certain things that he said to you? Well, that was, for me that was a really long time ago because um, after I graduated from high school, I went to serve in the military for two years. Oh wow! And then I came to RISD, so it was like 20, 2014, I think, when I was in high school. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, he really encouraged me to do. Um, to stick with oil painting mm. yeah and like oh yeah and when, whenever I had like issues with like thinking about subject matter or just not knowing what to do his suggestion is just go out and take photos right like just put down everything go out and take photos you know so have you had a relationship to a to a camera since then like do you carry one around yeah yeah I think a lot of my work is like um, photo-based references. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's the same with me. I'm, I'm really attracted to kind of like candid um, street photography, kind of um, mm. scenes that don't um, seem too bothered by uh, people being posed or anything like that. I really, like I always carry a camera around for the same reason. I mean, I suppose everybody kind of does with their iPhone. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah that's that's where so many of of my own ideas start is kind of those little instantaneous um moments where you notice something that kind of mm -hmm. coheres into a nice little visual scene um and yeah i was i was reading um you know on your cv i'm not sure when you wrote or, or when you or whoever wrote it wrote the the little blurb that you have <laughs> yeah. on there um but there was something that really resonated with me, which was um, your kind of investigation into urban isolation and how that kind mm -hmm. of relates to intimacy. Because it, it wasn't really something that I noticed until very recently, but there was a day where I had the whole day free and I kind of took all my work that I've ever made out. And I noticed that so many of the images I've made are of singular figures, just one, one figure in a scene and um, kind of arrived at the, at the realization that, yeah, isolation is something I've always been interested in, whether it's because um, that's how I feel like I experienced the world or how I've um, felt in relation to other people growing up. But is that something you noticed pretty early on or, or when did that sort of um, enter your head? Yeah, I think, I mean, isolation is a very like, um, present topic. Yeah, of course. You know, like contemporary life mm -hmm. with like everyone like being so connected digitally and then at the same time also being really isolated. Um, when did I start like noticing that in my work? Um, I think even back in high school, I was doing a lot of, I don't know, maybe I was an emo kid back then or something. <laughs> I yeah. was doing a lot of uh, paintings of like night scenes mm. um, because I would go exploring with my camera uh, around my neighborhood at night, cycling to construction sites, especially at night. Um, yeah, I think because I thought of art at the time as something like really um, isolated, 
so mm. it has to be something that comes from you and you alone yeah kind of thing yeah it's something that's that's it's really interesting to me how um the sort of distance between how maybe um I don't want to say non-art people, but like the public might think of art that represents that sort of isolation or darkness. And then the reality of how the person making it feels about it. Because to me, even though the work I've made, especially recently is really kind of bright and colorful, or maybe this kind of aligns with what I'm saying, but I feel like in my own life, isolation is a really kind of beautiful and peaceful thing. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, obviously it's not, it's, um, a little bit more nuanced than just slapping it with that sort of description. But um, yeah, there's something, it brings me so much clarity to be somewhere by myself and to experience something by myself without a zillion other inputs telling me what to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I, won I wonder if that's um, similar to how you feel when, when you come across these images. Yeah. I mean, definitely in the, the, the act of painting itself, the very act of painting is, it's a, it's like an intensely like self-driven thing mm -hmm. yeah even if you're like listening to music or you know, while you're painting it it's really just you and the painting yeah yeah i i, I do want to ask you about what you listen to and stuff while you work but before we get too but before we get too far away from it um because i when i was scrolling through your work you know in the, in the days before this i certainly noticed a lot of those construction site locales and especially traffic cones um, reappearing and um, like safety vests and that sort of thing. Um, can you kind of, or have you been able to put your finger on, on why you're sort of drawn to those scenes? Um, so I, I guess nowadays I don't really work with those motifs. Right, right. Or I suppose when yeah. you were working with them, yeah. Yeah, but when I was working with them, um, I guess growing up in Singapore, it's a very like urban environment. Mm -hmm. Everything is built up. Everything is really cramped and dense. And they're always trying to build new things. They're tearing down old buildings, building new buildings. It's the whole cycle all over again. So you really see it across the whole landscape. Cones, um, like those tarps that cover um, buildings. And yeah, it just formed a sort of like visual vocabulary that I had. Yeah. About like um, constantly being afraid of your past and kind of like mm. always trying to rebuild to like anxiously, anxiously rebuild. Is that anxiety? Thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, how you feel about kind of the uh the colors of the of that sort of um construction site uh safety equipment or debris but it's something that is always um yeah like there was i don't want to stumble over my words too much there was a time last year where i was speaking to someone who's a visual like an animator friend of mine and we were talking about road trips and i really really love road trips and part mm -hmm. of one one of the elements that I love about road trips is how when the sun goes down and you're on kind of one of those endless roads, wherever you're going, street signs start becoming these like um, incredibly stimulating little moments because mm -hmm. it's all kind of darkness and then your headlights hit these bright orange signs 
that either say like road ending or like caution. And it's kind of like this um, constant reminder that you might be in danger, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which is such a bizarre thing when you're kind of, um, when, when that's juxtaposed with the peace that you're feeling from such a long mm -hmm. um, kind of dark, um, you know, winding road. Um, but to go back to what you were uh, what you brought up with music, are, are you listening to music um, when you paint? Do you, do you usually have something on? Um, not always, but I do. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. How, how, let's say you're painting all day and it's like, you know, you're painting for a few hours. What percentage of that will, will you fill with music? Um, well, it really depends on the, the situation, I guess. Sometimes uh, I'll listen to music the whole time. Um, if I'm really into like the repetition of a, a playlist of a song, yeah, it kind of like um, focuses the work. Or sometimes I can just go the whole time without putting earphones in, and I'll be I'll, I won't even notice it, you know, because I'll be so into the thing. So is the kind of music that you like to have on. Um, I assume it kind of, uh, cause you just said like the repetition. So do, is the kind of music you're listening to, like, uh, music that sort of, um, speaks to that? Like, do you listen to dance music or classical music or like, what does it vary? <laughs> it's so tough talking about your, um, music taste. You know? I know. Yeah. Um, but I'm a very like, um, like indie, indie rock kind cool. of music. Well, I just play the music I like, I guess. And that yeah. speaks to me like emotionally. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to have like a repetitive sort of beat or anything. Do you, does anything come to mind? I, I know, like, like you just said, this is one of the most difficult, like I sometimes have <laughs> trouble without pulling up my Spotify or Bandcamp or whatever it is, um, even recalling what I listened to. But I, I'm someone who, I, like I worked in music for a few years and mm -hmm. I have a really, really intimate relationship with music and kind of try to listen to new music every single day in some shape or form. Um, but with all that being said, does anything come to mind that you've been listening to recently or that you've had on recently? And it doesn't have to be anything, you know, new, just, just really anything. Right. Um, let me see what was, I think, Oh, okay. I'm looking at my phone now. The last thing I was playing was Frankie Cosmos. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Phoebe Bridges as well. Yeah. Okay. So already um, kind of female voices are something that you're, I mean, for me, I, I prefer female voices in music. Oh. So um, yeah, is that? Yeah, for me, like it's, it's song, it's the songwriting. Hmm. Songwriting is really important. The, yeah, the depth that you kind of have. So I, uh, are, are the lyrics kind of part of that for you? Because it is for me, like I love, you know, for the same reason that everybody does. I love like Joni Mitchell or um, yeah, same thing, Phoebe Bridgers or people who, Johnny Cash, people who tell stories and what they're saying. So does that kind of seep into your head while you're working? Well, I guess maybe it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never really tried to know that, to like see the difference between like when I'm listening to music and when I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've just noticed like for, for myself, um, I get, I, it's not something that I let happen, but I think naturally I 
my emotions sway pretty heavily with depending on the kind of music that I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. And there are certain, there are certain artists or certain, even certain songs where I'll put it on if I want to evoke a certain emotion, you know, it could be, it could be like, like right now where it's 70 degrees and sunny with a bright blue sky. But if I draw my blinds and play like a piano only, you know, sonata or something, (laughs) um, I'll get really, really emotional. And it might be something that I want to have, might be something that I want to have on while I'm painting something sort of heavy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, does it go that deep for you or you just kind of like I want to put on something I want to have on in the background Mm. that's that's tough I think um, I think I would say that it's more the case that all of the songs that I listen to have this Mm. yeah yeah. like this a similar vibe rather than I choose the vibe for like whatever emotion I'm going for yeah okay yeah which is interesting I've never really thought about that (laughs) yeah I don't know I mean it's not something I really did until recently either but I've just also I think what contributes to it is this is something I've noticed is right now I have a day job working at a bookstore and one of the um I guess requirements that they tell the staff is that there there always has to be music playing when there are Mm -hmm. customers in the store And so four out of the seven days of the week, I'm in this enclosed space for eight hours where it's nonstop music playing. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where it's kind of um, like the manager of of the store, he puts on good music, but it varies so widely. Uh So like, you know, some days it could be like Elliot Smith and I just feel so sad the entire day (laughs) or, you know, or some days it could be like a playlist of like chart topping Brit pop. And it's, you just feel like, you know, you just want to run around the entire day. That's crazy. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not something like, I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but it's, it's something that I don't think um, they really notice that like, (laughs) that they could be kind of, um, influencing the emotions of the people in the space in such a way um mm-hmm. it's just a funny thing to think about but um yeah what, I'm, a, what... I'm like a real drums kind of guy mm. like i feel like electronic beats throw me off really yeah yeah interesting just because you lose kind of the humanity behind it or something yeah, i guess so yeah yeah something um. like maybe i'm just like a snob <laughs> <laughs> i totally get that um what were you, do you have memories of listening to music growing up? Like what was kind of the first stuff that you were, that you were introduced to? Um, I'm really, I think in Singapore people, young people were really into like, I don't know what genre that is, but like early 2000s, Avril Lavigne. Totally. Yeah. Like, um, like, like uh, kind of. Yeah, like punk like or rock music, five. but but in pop spheres, yeah. Oh yeah, punk, like punk pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blink one eighty two. Yeah, Blink one eighty two is Anima of the State was my first ever album that I ever bought. Wow. Yeah, I have a funny story about it where my parents wouldn't let me buy it because I was like eight years old or something. Yeah, and it had really crazy lyrics, you know, for someone that age. So. Um, I don't think I've ever stolen anything since, but at the time I walked to the tower records near where we lived and I just took a copy of it and, oh <laughs> and I, and I went home and I plugged it into my 
Walkman. Like I walked out of the store with it in my sweatshirt and then I plugged it into my Walkman, my CD player. And when my parents fell asleep, I put my um, blanket in my bed over my head and I listened to Blink-182. <laughs> and so you can imagine being like eight years old with, you know, those crazy, old, crazy, crazy drums, you know, and um, these lyrics about, you know, girlfriends and sex and stuff <laughs> it was so intense for me and i felt like i was i felt like i was breaking the law or something right yeah i think yeah i was listening to like green day yeah yeah i was young and then you were like oh the the state is decaying you know People are soulless. <laughs> yeah yeah um i wanted to ask you about your um studio routine if you have one like do you um are there certain things that you do when you go into the studio that are sort of checkpoints for getting into the flow of working um okay that i i guess uh there's a good time of day that i like to work and that time of day being like really late at night really oh i suppose <laughs> yeah. that kind of aligns with what you make mm -hmm. i guess so and also like the the quietness of it yeah okay so you don't hear like much street sounds uh there aren't as many people around yeah i, I really like that that sense of like peace um and just i i don't like clean my palette after i finished painting hmm. i always wait to the next painting session to scrape the palette yeah yeah, so I, I think that's a good way to like get into the mood when you when you scrape scrape paint off, you clean your palette. Yeah, because it's kind of um it's a thoughtless activity that you mm -hmm, can mm -hmm. yeah that you can kind of get your body moving with. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah, and um just like this year I've been working with egg tempera. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's a whole, there's so much like labor involved in the medium. Hmm. It's not like crazy hard, but like you just need to crack an egg, you need to like mix it. And every time you want a new color, you have to um, like pull out some dry pigment and mix it in yourself. Hmm. So it's that whole like routine of beginning, like it's like a ritual, you know. Yeah, there's for me, there's such a kind of lore behind that medium, um, whether you're talking about, you know, Renaissance painters using it or like mm -hmm. there are, there's this kind of class of like, <clears throat> like magical realist painters who are kind of my heroes, like like George Tooker or like Paul Cadmus or those kinds of artists who Andrew use. Meyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who use um, egg tempera and it. I've never attempted it. I'm just starting to learn how to oil paint. So I, mm -hmm. I don't anticipate it really being anytime soon. Although, I mean, there's no really barrier to entry. I suppose you can start whenever, but mm -hmm. um, I'm really curious about it. So what, how is that, how has it kind of um, changed the way that you work or, or has it changed the way that you work? It definitely has. Um, I think I'm seeing everything much more transparently now. Mm the colors i'm thinking about you you build the painting up in layers with many many layers and in oil you kind of have to wait for each layer to dry right. before you go on so you you wanna you don't want to have too many layers 
if you don't want the painting to take really long. But in yeah. egg tempera, you're really like, you're thinking about the next like three layers as you're laying down the mm. what you're painting right now. Huh. And that kind of like, yeah, yeah. That, that's a really interesting like process, I think. Yeah, and have you have you been happy with, or maybe not happy, but satisfied with the with the work that you've made in it? Interestingly, it kind of like emphasizes my bad habits from oil painting. Like um, in egg tempera, you really can get very anal about detail because you're using like a tiny brush. Yeah. Um, the tiniest like shift in lighting. Or like, yeah, which I kind of used to do in oil and my professors were always like, you got to think about the big picture. You got to think about like composition, value structure. But in a way, like kind of allowing my kind of neurosis or like bad habits to become the star of the show kind of kind of opened a whole new world in, in a sense. Yeah, that's that's wonderful because, yeah, you always want to be addressing those parts of what you make right you don't want to just <laughs> let them fester you want to you want to address them um but it's yeah it's interesting to hear you talk about um your attention to detail in that way because it's one of you have a style um at least in my view that's it's one of I really love it and one of the reasons I reached out to you in the first place Thank is you. because <laughs> one of the reasons I yeah uh, that I reached out to you in the first place is because I personally feel like it really walks that line between like really um, excruciatingly nuanced details but also um, kind of coarse um, big movements I know that might sound funny to you if, if you know when you're because you're the one making it and you might and you're up close to it all the time but um there seem to be very it, it feels very free is I guess what I'm trying to say and I wonder I wonder if that's how you feel in your process like do you do you feel um yeah do you feel free when you're working or is it a thing that that kind of um pushes you uh and exhausts you um yeah the idea of like the free painter who like yeah. smashes paint and like goes at it <laughs> yeah. you know yeah um i think for me i have a lot of like uh habits or like processes that i go back to when i'm like um thinking about a painting i i actually while i'm working on the painting i take a lot of photos of the painting Mm. And then I go back into Photoshop with those photos of the painting and then like yeah. play around with adding things. Um, yeah, which is, which like, it kind of, it's like, I, I almost don't want to tell people that, but like, no, yeah, it's what I do. You know? Yeah. But so I'm, I'm at every step, I'm kind of like thinking of options and like trying to, move things here and there so in a sense that gives me freedom in a way mm -hmm. but also i feel like i'm always like kind of tied tied to that mm, yeah you're kind of yeah it's the like push and pull of like making sure that you're moving forward but also being open to new things as they come up right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So I'm also curious about, and you can, you know, go into it as little or as, or as much as you want, but I'm curious about your um, process of, of the formation of an idea and how that ends up becoming a painting. Like, is it as simple as being on the street and taking a picture that kind of does it for you? Or do you spend a lot of time with each idea? Like, um, what's kind of emerged as your as your process in that respect yeah um i i think it's about being like open to new ideas in a way so you're always um it may seem as simple as like oh you take a photo and like that inspires a whole series of work but it's about like always looking you yeah. know yeah so it could it could really just be like um, me scrolling through the images I've taken and then something that didn't like speak to me while I was taking it that that much suddenly like has a new clarity or something like the way the, the light hits yeah. a person or something like that. And then, um, and then, yeah, that can like go on for a month or so where I'm just like fixated on this, this like inspiration that I have and how I can um, make that into like two or three paintings. And then once you make those two or three paintings, you can like continue kind of building on that idea. So yeah, in a way I kind of rely on having these like little sparks of inspiration. Yeah. yeah. I've had very similar experiences and I, I love hearing you talk about it that way because I've had, um, yeah, moments where in the same way, I'm always kind of um, logging things and taking pictures of things and sketching things when I'm kind of out in the world. And there will be times where even for me, it can even be as simple as like cropping an image a certain way that kind of um, mm -hmm. reveals a much more satisfying composition of something I've looked at than maybe my hand or my eye was able to capture with a camera in, in the first go of it. Like, you know, I haven't, I don't have a massive body of work yet or anything, um, but I have like, there's this one painting I made of a guy um, sitting in the finance department of a car dealership. And it was one of those things where I was in this office and his back was to me and I just took a little piece of paper and like, um, kind of got his form down and just like the, the, the thing that I was looking at. And like, when I took it home, I, I had basically sketched the entire room because I just wanted to try to remember it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, and I kind of put it away and I was like, whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I, I looked at just a certain part of it whether it was like a book covering part of the image or I just looked at it a certain way. And like you're saying, a certain part of it was so much more attractive as an image then. And so I really love that process of, of, yeah, just kind of collecting and then letting things kind of emerge naturally. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also I guess that, that like um, highlights the importance of drawing as well yeah when you like um even if you're uninspired by the like the things you're seeing around you mm -hmm. sometimes something like i don't know maybe that seems a bit lame 
if you put it in drawing, the, the process of drawing really like brings out something that can be built on. Yeah. So are you, um, do you draw all the time? Do you always, um, what's kind of, are you someone who's, um, it might sound like a funny question, but do you like work every day or like, what's kind of, um, how's your, what's your muscle like? Um, I guess not. I'm like really, my schedule is really dependent on like school work and assignments because you're not, you're in college, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I do, I do try to put in a little, at least a bit of making every day. Yeah. I'm drawing all like, sometimes I don't draw anything new, but I just go to the studio and put like a, a few strokes down. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, I also wanted to, this kind of ties into that, but um, one of the things that I mentioned ahead of time um, when I wrote to you was, I, I don't know if I'm the first person <laughs> to say this phrase, but I I have kind of um, told my friends that I've developed this little system of what I call brain hugs, which are kind of <laughs> my, my little things that kind of, um, if I, that have like a very, very thin threshold of effort, <laughs> but if mm -hmm. I do, but if I do them, they'll immediately kind of, um, hydrate my brain a little bit. Like, uh, I don't know, going for a walk or taking a bath or, um, mm -hmm. me meditating or whatever it is. Do you have certain, um, activities like that, that you, you kind of try to remember to employ to, to keep yourself fresh? Um, I, well, hobbies wise, I, I like rollerblading. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I've, I think that now that you say that, I remember seeing little videos of you rollerblading, which is so cool. Oh, like on my Instagram story. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun. And it really kind of like, yeah. Gets me to use my body, you know, in yeah. painting, you're know, like sitting there a lot and not moving. Um, yeah. It's adrenaline in it. Definitely. So when did you start doing that? about i think i've kind of always known how to rollerblade since i was a kid um but i only really got into it um maybe 20 the beginning of 2018 okay yeah just as i was finishing up my like um military service i was like trying to find a hobby to do I was like okay i'll get back to rollerblading and i think that was really i'm really thankful for that because it's like it's like um yeah it's always, it's been a part of my life now. <laughs> yeah. I, I really yeah. want to ask you more about it, but bef before I do, um, forgive my ignorance, but is military service required in Singapore or is it something mm -hmm. that you, okay, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was, I mean, I, I obviously you can talk about it as much or as little as you'd like, but what was that experience like for you? Honestly, it's just, um, it's, it passed so quickly in my mind like the space of memory devoted to that two years is really small, but yeah, it was just a lot of brainless, brainless, brainless work in a way. So I was carrying my sketchbook around the whole time and like trying to do something with the, with the empty emptiness in my mind. Yeah. yeah. That's the first thing I always think of when I meet people who have had to serve um, in the military who are, who are artistically inclined because 
um, you know, if you're the kind of person that can kind of um, turn any situation into a into a practice, then that's great. But I also know that there are certain things like that that are really maybe um, not the healthiest for someone with a brain who's wanting to be making things all the time. So yeah. I think it's great that you were carrying a sketchbook around. Do you do you still have um, things that you drew or sketched from that time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have a whole sketchbook full of stuff. Do you ever look through it? I do. Um, it's back in Singapore right now. Yeah. But I think that was really the last time I was like just sketching anything and everything from life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wasn't thinking about making work. I wasn't thinking about like paintings. I was just what's in front of me. I want to like practice you know yeah i mean that's something that i was actually thinking about last night about how um this will maybe be a, a kind of long-winded thought so, so bear with me <laughs> but i have um my mom took this wonderful photo of my sister when she was a couple of years old of my of my dad holding her in the air and in this kind of like uh, tree of life sort of way there's these branches behind her kind of wow. sticking out and she's um it's i'll send it to you after this but um she's kind of it's it's her as a baby and she's kind of laughing and looking at the camera and she's 18 now and she came over to my apartment recently and we were looking at the picture and i kind of told her like um it's very difficult to recapture that kind of really innocent uh kind of um carefree joy that you have at those ages and for me even though I didn't start taking art seriously until pretty recently, when I was younger, I would do things like draw pictures of my desk for my parents when they came home or like, um, you know, mm -hmm. draw butterflies that I saw like in, in on our front lawn or something. And I was thinking last night about how kind of to what you're saying about carrying a sketchbook around. It's really for me, something I always am trying to recapture is that feeling of like, just doing it because um, it's this purely joyous sort of natural thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you do you feel um, do you feel like you can get tapped back into that headspace sometimes, or or is it are you so far into this whole like making it your life sort of thing now that that feels far away? Yeah, it it certainly feels far away right now. Yeah, but I sometimes when I'm in airports or like waiting for stuff i do try to do some sketching just for the sake of it yeah but you're right you kind of lose that like innocence because you know like oh i'm always thinking um like oh this is gonna help me practice i should should do this because i'm an artist and i have to sketch you know kind of thing it's yeah. it's, it's always that um when you meet your your like hobby, your job, or like that, that whole conundrum. Yeah. I mean, there are th certain things I'm thinking about, like at my parents' house, they have little, um, some of those pictures that I just referenced where I just draw random things from my room. And I was trying to remember, I was trying to remember what that must have felt like to kind of sit there, have nothing else to do, just be sitting there in like my pajamas. I maybe had some 
pasta for dinner or something. And I'm, you know, like six or seven, even maybe even younger, like five, six, seven years old or something. And I'm just sitting on my bed, which feels like this giant ocean of blankets. And I'm just kind of like, I am going to draw this tissue box for my mother. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like where, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think um, for me, it's really helpful to sometimes try to remember that feeling because that's why, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that compels you in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I do get like that feeling sometimes now I think about it when I'm in uh, lectures Mm. or like long meetings or something. And if there's paper given to me, like a handout or like a a brochure or something, it'll be sure sure to have drawings on it. Yeah. And it won't be like work stuff because I wouldn't do like sketches of my paintings on. (laughs) it It would actually be like dinosaurs. Or like just doodles, you know, scribbles. Yeah, I love that. Um, can I ask you about some of the things that have been showing up in your work um, more recently? Yeah, sure. Like I'm, I'm sure people say this to you all the time because it's sort of in reproduction, something that you can notice so easily, but like like disembodied limbs, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like was there, you know, I, I obviously noticed kind of you know, legs that stop at the knee or like, um, hands or, or even cut off like torsos, that sort of thing. Was that, was there a time where that sort of thing began to kind of emerge for you? Um, I think that was pretty recent, maybe in the past year or so. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, the, the main, the main like disembodied part would be the feet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think about it as a sort of like way that I access like memories and yeah, memories. Cause I feel like when you're thinking about memories or you're dreaming, the sense of self, the whole sense of the conscious self is like kind of not fully there because you're in the present. Yeah. And in those like memories or dreams, you you see your hands or your, like your feet. Yeah, you can look down and see your feet walking. You can see your hands moving. Mm-hmm. You could even turn around and see your shadow. Right, but you can't see like your body in its fullness. Mm. It's this like sort of fragmentation, which is very evocative to me. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so many things come to mind. But I mean, even just as as simple as saying something like you know your legs are what take you places and when i see them show up in your work in this context um there's certainly like a a kind of i mean you even have it in one of your titles of your painting like the word stuck right um so it's that kind of interplay between yeah movement and remembering and and paralysis really right Mm -hmm. And I also want to ask you about, um, cause you know, in, in some of the things from a few years ago, like you said, you were kind of traveling to construction sites and you were out in the streets and everything. And I think it's, uh, I can't help but notice that the more recent work you've made is a lot of it is kind of more domestic sort of interiors, right? So whether it's, um, bedrooms or sort of enclosed spaces, do you think that's reflective of kind of the way that you've been living recently? 
Well, definitely. Um, but I think now that I think about it, um, it is in some way related to the construction mm. the night scenes. Um, well, I guess the that motif that I'm using now, the it's like a dorm dorm rooms, like kind right. of bathrooms, um, rental apartments that aren't like adorned, you know, like a like. So in a, in a sense, I'm trying to convey a sense of like impermanence, like transience in the space, like this. It's it's a very intimate kind of space because it's private but at the same time it's um it's not because eventually you have to move out you yeah. have to go somewhere else and the figures are like always looking into the distance at like mm. the the future i guess yeah um but in a way that's yeah i was thinking about the the construction sites and that's also about like transience and impermanence yeah and always like the sense of dislocation mm. like your home is constantly under construction or you're always you always have to leave you know you don't know where you're like rooted in yeah so, absolutely that, that yeah i love that i love the way that you articulated that there's I, I, something that comes to mind is i had um this was a funny little aside but i and um when I went to Emory University during my freshman year, we, you know, it's a liberal liberal arts college, so we had to take a curriculum that kind of touched on a bunch of different disciplines. And one of the classes I had to take was this anthropology class, and we had this kind of funny, charismatic professor who was um, lecturing to these rooms of like three hundred people. You know, it was a very kind of classic college environment, mm -hmm. and he was teaching us about like indigenous homes in some part of the world i, I can't remember because it was so long ago but um he was talking about like a certain tribe or that he did field, field research on or something and he was like and this area would be their final home and then he paused for a second and he goes well i guess every home is temporary <laughs> yeah, yeah and it was kind of like you could hear a pin drop in the class you know all these like 18 and 19 year old kids sitting there like <laughs> uh, like there are no final homes you know like uh, um i don't know it was just funny and i always think about that every time i move into like a new living space or apartment like even if you say something is your forever home like even you know my my parents are are living in a house that they've been in since i was seven years old and even that's a temporary home you know yeah. Um, it's a very interesting thing to be investigating. Um, I, I want to kind of um, shift just a tiny bit and ask you about, and, and similar to the music, I don't want you to feel too pressured to kind of pack your entire um, <laughs> knowledge into one sentence or anything, but are there any, it doesn't have to be visual artists, but are, is there anything that you've kind of been sponging up recently that you've really enjoyed? Like whether it's a certain body of work by a painter or whether it's a book you've been reading or a, a movie you've been, um, or a movie you've seen recently or anything like that, that you've really been turned on by? Yeah, I, I've been definitely looking at, with the uh, eight ten press, I've been looking at Andrew Wyeth a lot. Yeah, yeah, his like kind of like singular minded approach to whatever he's seeing. Uh, also, another like realist artist, um, 
Antonio Lopez Garcia. Yeah, also that. And the thing is both of them worked from, from life most of the time. And that's, I think, really lacking in like art teaching, contemporary yeah. art teaching at least nowadays and like my practice as well. Hmm. So maybe there's something I'll look into. Um, I've also been, oh, I, I was really inspired by this. Um, I just went to the Met yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this huge wall in the, the Asian like archaeology section of this like kind of Buddhist mural on a stone wall that had been like transported all the way from China or something. Wow. The, the, like the state of decay that it was in was really like crazy. Like you could still see the image, but like everything was flaking off. Uh, yeah, that that somehow really spoke to me. I think I want to bring that that, that kind of like layered yeah. decay, sense of time and endurance. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. Um, yeah, yeah it's can images of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd be so curious. Um, this reminds me, I was, um, my dad went to um, school for for art, and so yeah. I always I like to talk to him about art a lot. And we were talking just yesterday about John Singer Sargent because he's um, kind of a favorite of both of ours. Yeah. And we were we were going over this one painting of um, I think it's I think it's called like something X, um, Madame X, which I I hope I'm not misquoting that because that's a Madonna album. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. but anyway, we were zooming into the image. And there were these kind of, um, it looked like kind of decay, like you're saying, or, or cracks that kind of went with the form of the figure when you get really close in, in this one kind of high definition reproduction. And I went on this kind of whole tangent where I was like, oh, it's so amazing. He throws in these kind of little, um, you know, lines that kind of move with the the figure in this kind of way that reveals itself when you get up close. And my dad goes, that might just be the paint cracking. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah. But this is all this is all to say um, that kind of decay and that kind of cracking really can um, introduce this this thing that's um beyond yeah, beyond the control of of the artist, which is so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I also want to ask you, um, just because I mentioned my own, um, were your parents artistic at all? Like, what was your family life like when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, so it was interesting to hear you say your, your dad went to undergraduate art because my family is completely not artistic at all. You like, I mean, talent-wise, I guess, I, I feel like there is an artistic street in that everyone seems to be able to, like, draw a little bit or, like, have good taste i hope <laughs> yeah but um yeah my my dad is a doctor he like runs a small neighborhood clinic back in singapore and then and yeah everyone's into like science um mm. my sister's uh studying law i think humanities yeah so there really wasn't a lot of like art like fine art appreciation yeah the things that would like make my mom uh like 
praise my artwork would be like really realistic portrait or something else so what was what was kind of your position in relation to them like when i know it's a complicated question but um yeah was it something that you frequently kind of spoke to them about or interacted with them about or was it more kind of like I'm just doing this thing on my own until I can kind of be in the world that I'm meant to be in, you know, like, was your family separate from your art or, or did they somehow overlap? I think in the, the past year, I did do a lot of works about, about my family. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. There's that, in. sorry to interrupt you, but there's a wonderful um, painting you did. And I love, I was reading how you spoke about it. You said it was like a, a portrait of a landscape and um oh, like right, an interior yeah. painting all in one which i i, I like felt for you and um, how much work that must have been but it turned out really really beautifully thank you yeah so it was that one and be before that there were works about like home interiors and like bed sheets and also the there were some works with like catholic devotional statues like um but like the their backs were facing the viewer yeah so all those are kind of drawn from my family experience uh, i have like five siblings wow yeah so i that definitely features a lot in my work my experiences from them but but i but i don't talk to them about work that much though mm like painting yeah. in general, because I feel like, um, yeah, I just get a lot of like, oh, what, what does this mean, you know? Right. Why, why are you painting this? Oh, paint right. something more happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, right, which goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier about, yeah, that kind of divide between how what you're painting probably actually makes you quite happy. But um, like once you step back and look at it in a certain sense, I know that's kind of a flat word. It is for me anyway. Um, cause I think when you look at something that you're satisfied with, it's not just one thing. It's not, it's not just happiness or sadness or whatever. It's all of it. Cause you go through such a range as you're making it. Um, but were you, when you were saying the kind of, um, Catholic devotional symbols, um, am I correct in remembering that one of those is that little that little Jesus um, um, figure, like on the windowsill. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 I really, really love that that painting. Um, the kind of um, sort of a fogged up mirror, or not mirror, fogged up window, um, mm -hmm. is something that's I feel like quite difficult to do. Was that, um, yeah, was that taken from a, a something that was readily accessible to you? Like, was that a little figure that you had around? Yeah, yeah, it was it was lying around in my house. Yeah, yeah. And were you? It sounds like you were maybe raised Catholic. Are you still? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I grew up around a lot of these like um, home altars, like pictures of um, Mother Mary and Jesus, you know, the whole thing. And this this is like a really rich visual culture to draw from. Of course. Yeah, and um. For those paintings specifically, I was interested in how, like these sculptures, they're supposed to like, um, like remind you of the div divine, you know. In a way, they're always there in your house, like watching you from somewhere on a, a sill up there. Yeah. So 
you know, I was kind of like thinking of like, what does it mean to turn it around and see that, oh, these are just mass produced, like little yeah. figures. And is that, I know this is a very dense subject, but um, do you have a relationship with with like religion or spirituality now or, or um, how, what is kind of its role in your in your life right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm still a practicing Catholic. Yeah. So I guess those paintings aren't like criticizing, you know, we, they're more like a kind of investigating my relationship with faith, you know, more ambiguously. And, and what is, um, does your, does your religious practice kind of, um, how do you think it features into your, into your practice? Like, is it a kind of, is it kind of a, does it bring you peace? Is it kind of a guiding, a guiding light in, in a word? Like, how does that, um, yeah. Do you think about it often? You know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, um, how it finds its way into what you do. Yeah. I, apart, I mean, apart from those paintings, which are like directly dealt with like religious imagery. Yeah. I haven't really like figured out exactly how they interact hmm. my painting practice and like faith. Yeah. Um, but I think that is definitely an area I'd like to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, as as you well know um yeah the kind of history of um of painting moves from that's the only thing people were painting about right, yeah. <laughs> to uh, to where we are now um and everywhere in between is so fascinating to me like i was just looking at um like i was i was having to fill out an application for an art school recently and it was requiring me to talk about my paintings and the one that I mentioned earlier about this guy in this car dealership that I did. At the time, I was, um, for the color palette for it, I was referencing this um, Bassano painting from like 1545, I think, or something. Um, and it's like a, um, I think it's called the miracle of the drought of the fishes, or maybe I'm saying the word drought wrong. It's D R A U G H T. I don't know. It's oh, it's yeah. it's one of it's one of mm-hmm. the Jesus miracles where he is in a boat with some people and they're like, we can't catch any fish, and he's like, how about now? And then and then they catch fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was thinking about how when I was looking at that painting, even I've never seen it in person, but in reproduction, the colors are so much kind of so much more flamboyant and um, kind of uh, experimental than most of the things that I've personally studied from that kind of Venetian school period. Um, like, I, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but are there, are there any sort of like masterwork sort of things like that, that, that you've personally been drawn to in, in recent years? Um, I recently saw uh, Bellini, Bellini's St. Francis, Francis of Assisi. Yeah, so it's uh, the figure of St. Francis standing in like a, a mountain kind of cave and he's like in ecstasy. So he's like looking at the heavens and his hands are like, his palms are facing the sky kind of thing. Um, yeah, but that whole painting just like, it was made in the 14 something. Right. But when I saw it, it was like so 
there was like a clarity to it to mm. the thing was possible in the beginning yeah. like the yeah and and like the, the process with which people made images at, in that time is so intriguing to me now the way we see images is like forever changed by cameras yeah. uh, printing yeah greens and everything so yeah how do do people at the time compose like rocks and rivers and because it's all in one painting you definitely can't have seen it all at once or like drawn it from life so i won't keep you too much longer but the last couple things i wanted to ask you about um firstly um if people if and when people hear this i say if i mean hopefully there will be a few people that listen to this (laughs) but when they do um where can they kind of see your work do you have any sort of shows coming up that you're working on is there any sort of end of because you're graduating soon right Mm -hmm. um when exactly i'll be graduating this june wow congrats that's so soon soon. i am so terrified honestly (sighs) why like uh i mean being a student there's like there's always stuff that you have to do for like projects deadlines but once you're out there, that, that's it, you know? Mm. I mean, it's kind of the way you're working now, right? You just... Yeah, I have a somewhat... I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm almost 30. I'm 29. Um, but I, I have kind of a funny relationship to my practice. Like, I, I went a long time just kind of, like, drawing without telling anybody. Um, just because I was... I didn't really have a very healthy relationship to talking about my own art. Um but then like with the pandemic, I took it more seriously and now it's like all I want to do. And I've been, you know, painting really seriously for like a year and a half now, something, which to me feels like a long time. I know it's not, but it just feel very in it. But anyway, a long way of saying, um, yeah, I've been, I've been painting whenever I'm not working in, in quote real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose I do have some sort of firsthand experience as to what that's like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can say it's not so bad. In fact, it's quite rewarding because, um, you really look forward to it when you're, when your um, life is so structured by big blocks of time where you, where you really can't be working. Um, but in any case, do you have a sort a sense of, um, where you might be headed? I think for now I do have like a, a job lined up. Yeah. which I'm really grateful for in Singapore. Yeah. I'll be teaching high school. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been interested in art education. But, you know, high school is not just about, like, education. First no, of course it's not. Classroom management. Oh, my God. All the extra stuff you have to do as a teacher. Just dealing with pubescent kids. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in college, when I was an undergraduate um, college, I should say, um, during the summers or not. Yeah, I guess the summers on my breaks from college, I would um, since I was an athlete, I would teach baseball to like the children of some of my parents, friends um, for some extra income. 
and that was my that was my main realization after like three years of teaching kids baseball. I know it wasn't art education, but it became more about kind of being like a big brother that they could hang out with for a couple hours uh -huh. rather than actually learning any baseball skills, you know? Yeah. Which I think is great too. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's more, it's yeah. in my opinion, it's much more important um, mm -hmm. because they would end up talking to me about these things. Like they just be these fountains of, of information about what they were going through that they couldn't really, you know, cause when you're, when you're, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, you're not like a functional adult, you know, tying a tie and going to therapy and like, you know, um, kind of having, you know, collected conversations with your peers or anything. You're just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks emotionally. Um, so we'd end up just kind of like sitting on the corner of a baseball diamond talking about like the girls that they liked or the, you know, the homework that they had to do or whatever it was. And I never felt guilty about that because, um, it was uh, to me so important that they had, they had that yeah, person. I mean, that's so important. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that's like the core of like what it means to teach young people. I think. Yeah. Are you, um, it's, it seems like you're maybe someone who's suited to that. Are you like, where, where in the line of your siblings are you, are you, uh, older, younger in between? And the second. Yeah. Second so oldest. Second oldest, yeah. Okay, so you had you had a lot of kind of older brothering. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have a little experience of that. <laughs> are Are you close with your siblings? Like, are, are do they do they speak to you um, about those sorts of things? Um, in, with siblings, it's always hard. You know, mm -hmm. it's not the same as like friends. Of course. Yeah. So, but I think especially when we were younger. We were a lot closer, but I think now it's like I'm all the way here and you're all in Singapore. It's tough to keep up, but yeah. But you feel like um you feel like you'll be able to welcome that kind of tidal wave of of hormonal emotions. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. And would you be and you would be teaching art? Yeah. Anything else? I I am not extremely qualified. <laughs> I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. Is it just kind of like general art education for, for mm -hmm. a high school? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Um, and are you, um, to, to my, I guess, original question, are you showing anything anytime soon? Do you have any sort of graduation um, shows coming up? Hold on. Sorry. My phone is ringing. Um, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Do you have any sort of, any sort of shows coming up? Yeah. So I actually just had a show, um, like the senior shows at RISD, but they have to do one for every department. And I think painting is one of the earlier ones. Mm. So how did it go? It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that really, that really changed about the way I think about work this year is about like selling work. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, until very recently, I've never sold a painting that wasn't a commission. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm like, once you like see the po that possibility, you kind of, kind of go crazy a little, but then, yeah, you just got to keep working, you know, yeah. and then uh, get to you too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, there was, there was a pretty good response from that. Bye.
one of the ways that I wanted to end um, this podcast is talking about something that you're grateful for today. Because I've found that um, in my own practice and life, um, my art practice and I guess you could say like spiritual practice, um, it really does good things to my brain when I think about the things that I'm grateful for. But even just for you today, what's something that you're you're grateful for today? Today, well, I'm the, the weather is good today. Yeah, it was so cold this weekend, but today it was like beautiful, sunny. I was I was uh, amazed, honestly. And I I actually recently uh, fractured my hand while rollerblading. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So. This weekend, I had the chance to skate, so I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, and my hand, my hand is fine now. Was it your Was it your painting hand? No, that I'm also grateful for. You see, yeah, there's so many things to be grateful. For. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just while we're on the subject now, because um, I didn't get to ask about it earlier, um, when you do rollerblade, where do you normally? go like are you exploring are you kind of going to like rollerblading parks like what where, where does that take you um skate parks skate parks um i i do a lot of like urban kind of skate skating where i just like skate around usually i'll, I'll like notice a spot while i'm not rollerblading hmm. i'll like i'll be like oh that's there'll be a good spot. And then I just hit there with my skates. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Yeah. I, I, um, um, I love skateboarding for that reason too. I have oh, a little, skateboard. yeah, I'm not, I'm not like amazing or anything. It's not like I'm one of those people that's just like kick flipping off of curbs and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, on some of the wider streets here in LA, it's really a, just an amazing thing. Cause you, you know, you get same thing with cycling too. Like I was riding a bike everywhere for, for like uh, a year um, when I was living in a certain part of the city here. And I've, I'm sure it's similar with rollerblading, but the relationship that you start to form with like, with a, with direction, like the, the way that the city is laid out because mm -hmm. you, you start to notice like slopes and inclines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You notice which, like sidewalks are better yeah are better. yeah and what you know if 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 like yeah, when i was riding my bike everywhere and someone lived like north where it's like a pretty pretty heavy slope up towards mm -hmm. like hollywood and that and that kind of area it would be like 10 times as hard to, to bike yeah. there yeah. rather than just like you know coasting downhill to see somebody like near the beach or whatever um Another thing that I'm remembering that I wanted to ask you about is um, you, you talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, how you're kind of viewing selling artwork a little bit differently now in a more kind of general sense. How has your relationship to art changed since you arrived at RISD? Mm -hmm. um... Well, that's this tough. This like that's like a big question. You it's know? a loaded question for sure, but I suppose just kind of like if you can think about it in terms of like, I don't know. Do you feel like you're a little bit looser? And like, do you do you kind of um, 
experiment more? Are you kind of more detached in kind of a healthy way? <laughs> like what's kind of um, your attitude towards, towards your own art now compared to what it was when you first got there? I think the main thing that RISD did for me was like, it really opened horizons in a way, like mm. um, just seeing a whole bunch, a whole school of people who are like devoted to their work yeah, and like making so many new things, different things all the time. Yeah. It was very inspiring. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, obviously you're always like comparing yourself, mm-hmm. but at the same time, after like four years of being here, I think I built a sort of like um, comfort or like confidence in my own work. Yeah. Yeah. From like, from just being around everyone and then slowly like you find your voice in a crowd, I think. Oh, at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, would you say that when you first got there, you maybe had a little bit more self-doubt or a little bit more kind of insecurity about, about um, kind of presenting and, and standing behind your own work in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and not just that also, I wasn't like, I was kind of building, um, making art in a vacuum mm. where like I only had myself to like think about the work, but yeah. I think finding a community of people who can really talk to you about your work and like understand where you're coming from is so important. Cool. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground. It was really lovely speaking to you. And thank you again. I know it was so random when I reached out to you, but, um, you know, part of, I know I explained it a little bit to you, but part of the whole genesis of even wanting to do this in the first place is because, um, you know, since I haven't gone to art school, I hope to at some point, but um, since I haven't gone to art school and since, uh, um, yeah, I don't necessarily have that built in community my my conversations like this are probably more infrequent than than people a little bit more entrenched and it really just brings me life and like you know i i am um yeah i loved hearing about about the way that you that you um the relationship you have with your work so thank you so much i I really appreciate it yeah thank you for inviting me i think this podcast is great like when i was um starting out in college this would have been a great thing to hear So that was my conversation with Joel C.O. I hope you enjoyed him and got a chance to check out his work. Please do if you have not already. He's a really interesting artist who I think is only going to get better as his practice develops. The music you hear throughout the episode is produced by Sam Peacock. You can find my own work at connordillman.com if you're curious. And I'll be releasing some really great conversations coming up. So go ahead and subscribe to the show if you're into it. Thanks so much for listening.